We looked at, number one, the manifestation gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, this was week one, three weeks ago, or yeah, three weeks ago. And the purpose of these gifts are to reveal God in the church. The manifestation gifts are the, the nine gifts of the Spirit is what you're familiarizing them with. And the truth of it is that we are to desire these gifts in our lives. These are supposed to be something that is flowing through us. There is a power source that is connected to the believer, and it's up to you to tap into that power source to put a demand on what is flowing in you. And if you want to know more about that, go back and watch week one. It was a good one. Uh, Number two, the second week we looked at last week was the motivational gifts. These are found in Romans 12. Uh, The purpose of these gifts are to strengthen the church. The motivational gifts are all about your personality, all about your character, all about the reason why you do what you do. Have you ever been at a stoplight and someone cuts you off or cuts in front of you and you have this sudden burst of emotion on the inside of you? No, never? No? No? Yeah, every one of you? That is the motivation gifts inside you at work. Now you choose if you want to operate in the flesh or in the spirit. Another good sermon. You guys should come every week. Don't miss these things. Last week, go back and check it out. It is... It will help you in your marriage. It will help you in your relationship. It will help you in your uh, work. It helps you. If you can discover who you are, you'll discover out why you were made. And if you can discover out who you are, you discover your character, your personality, what makes you respond to things the way that you do. Do you have a natural drive to wake up in the morning to run a business? Or do you have a natural drive to want to sleep in till, till noon? Your personality will tell you why. Go back and check that out. It will super impact you. Your personality is a direct reflection of your character. I'm going to say that again for those who didn't hear me. Your personality is a direct reflection of your character. Man, we got deep in here real quick, didn't we? All right. All right. I'll lighten up. Okay. The third thing is the ministerial gifts found in Ephesians 4. This is what we're going to talk about today. And the purpose of these are to build the church. Uh, The ministerial gifts are where most of you will operate in, and that will make sense at the end of today's message. And number four, the ministry gifts found in um, Ephesians 4. Those Bible verses are backwards on on your notes. I apologize. Ministry gifts are Ephesians 4. Ministerial gifts are 1 Corinthians 12. Um, The ministry gifts are to equip the church. Today we're going to look at the third and fourth category, the ministerial gifts and the ministry gifts, because these two work together to establish how the body of Christ is supposed to be in operation. So let's look in our outline. You have the ministerial gifts. Another word for this is, write this down, congregational gifts. Big word, hard to spell, it's on the screen. Congregational gifts. These gifts are found right after the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. The purpose of these gifts are to operate in the church. These are the gifts that all of you all will operate in. This is not to mistake the motivational gifts, your personality. That is your character. The ministerial gifts is what you do. These gifts are your calling. This is your purpose in the body of Christ. When the Apostle Paul is teaching about these gifts, he uses the understanding of an eye 
eye and a foot, basically saying, in my words, your hand can't do what your eye knows what to do, and if your eye can't do what your hand can't do, they can't function properly. They have to function together. So you've got to have the, the ministerial gifts in operation in order for you to function the way that Keaton needs to function, the way that you need to function, the way that you need to function. And if we're only operating individually, we can't operate as the body how we're supposed to. So look to your neighbor and say, you are needed. You, come on. All right. Look to your neighbor and say, you are needed. I don't know how, but you are. I'm just, okay. Maybe not say that. Um, uh, but whenever the gifts are not functioning properly, you have to substitute something in order to make it work. Ooh, can I go that direction? There are churches that do not function in the gifts, so they have to substitute the presence of God for the atmosphere. Whenever you have a toe that's chopped off, can you still walk? You can, but what happens? Terrence, (laughs) quit laughing. You lose your balance. I looked it up. I did the, the whole WebMD thing to make sure it was accurate. If you cut off your big toe, you can still walk, but you can no longer balance the same way. You have to have a special shoe that's made to create a balance inside of that foot. So if you cannot operate in the gift that you have, there's an imbalance in the church. And if there's an imbalance in the church, we have to make it up somehow. And whenever the church doesn't know that it's the Spirit of God that's in the balance, they're going to create a man-made atmosphere to make you think you're in the presence of God because they've substituted what is real. All right. So in your outline, let's look at the ministerial gifts. We have, we're going to fly through these because I want to get to the end. <laughs> um, We have the apostles. These are sent by God to build. All these will be on the screen behind us. Uh, Write the word build. Apostles are sent by God to build. Prophets, number two, speak on behalf of God. Teachers make disciples. We're flying through these. We're still good? We're catching up. Number four, miracles is the working of power. Number five... We good? Is the gift of healing that is spiritual and physical. Number six is the gift of helps, which is serving in the church. Or just say serving. Uh, Number seven is the government, that is elders. You've heard of elders, it's a churchy word. Yeah, I see heads shaking, okay. Uh, Number eight, tongues, and that is the word of prayer. Each of you will flow in one or more of these gifts. Just for clarity, it's going to get a little confusing, but for clarity, we're not talking about the manifested gift because you see the word prophet and you think prophecy. That's not the manifested gift. This is the gift of being a prophet. A prophecy uh, is a word that is spoken. The gift of prophecy is an empowerment from on heaven for a specific time or place. This will make sense in in, in a minute. The manifested gift is a power that comes on you supernaturally for a moment. You have seen that happen here when mom or myself or uh, someone else operates. Something comes over us. It's not weird. It's not 
Not like we levitate and float and all this. It's, there is a supernatural power. There's an anointing that begins to fill us up. And at that time, you sense something different. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. And there is a word that comes forth from you that edifies the body. If it doesn't edify the body or edify the person, be careful what you're listening to. Um, then you have the ministry gift of a prophet. The ministry gift of a prophet is someone who is teaching how to prophesy. If you have the ministry gift of the prophet, you can stand up here and teach someone because you can learn how to prophesy. And let me put a side note in here. If you walk, ooh, if you walk in the office of the prophet, people will begin to hear God's voice when you're around them. People who normally could not hear God will begin to hear God. Let me give an illustration. When my mom is in the room, I pick up on the anointing easier than whenever she's not in the room. Because she walks in a different office than I do. Okay, I, that's, it's confusing. I get it. But the, the thing is, with the prophet and the gift of prophecy, it's the same functioning word but have different purposes. All of these things that I mentioned to you, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts, healing, helps the government, all that stuff. That is where we get small group leaders. It's where you get serving in the church. It's where you get... Four guy, or three guys back there giving you thumbs up when all the media stuff's working the right way or thumbs down whenever the audio cut up. It, it is all of these things. That is where we serve in the church. God made you to serve, to function in the body because if Bobby's not willing to function, what happens to the sound? It's not going to work. So we've got to get someone inferior at the sound, because she was doing it for a while, I tried to point at myself, but I had to it's, I'd call her out. She tried to do it, and every Sunday she'd look at me and look back there like, I don't know. And you guys don't know all this is going on. And she's up there like, looking at me, and I'm just like, oh, please let Bobby come into our lives. And Bobby came into our lives, and so he is functioning in that position, and now the body functions more smoothly. <laughs> and Adrienne says a big Amen. The fourth and final category is the ministry gifts, or what's known as, write this down, the five-fold office. These gifts are for the equipping of the saints for ministry, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. I'm going to explain these in just a bit. The office of the spiritual gifting are going to be people who, or, or the, the ministry gifting, are going to be people who are more in ministry vocationally. This is your income. This is your job. Uh, they are ordained by church leaders. They are called specifically by God to a specific purpose. And when I look back at how we got to Norman, this was not in my plan. Why, why are you laughing? You guys know. Norman's never in anyone's plan. I get it. Okay, I'm just kidding. Norman's a great place. Um, but when we look back to see how we got here and the events that unfolded, we were in God's will in every situation, and then particular events unfolded. Things that were in our hearts beforehand begin to unfold. We were Once we got to Norman, we were not going to stay in Norman. And then a, a, uh, a friend called and said, hey, we heard you're in Norman. We need help. So I said, okay, we will help. But the whole time, whenever my parents moved to Norman, Adrienne and I, we had this idea that we wanted to start a church. But it had not yet been confirmed. It was just a, a dream. It was just something like we want to do this. 
And we said we want to do a different type of church. We met with mom and dad. Dad was not on board at the time. He's like, you know what? I haven't heard God speak. I'm not going to do anything until God speaks to me. In the counsel of many, there's wisdom, right? And so we did nothing for a while. And then mom, Adrienne, and I, we're sitting in the background like, okay, we're ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. And dad said, no, it's not ready. And all of a sudden, dad called mom one day and said, today's the day. Now I'm ready. And the church began. It shouldn't have began during COVID. That's the worst time to start a church. All right, let's do it then. Okay. We had to work out a lot of bugs and kinks and figure things out because God knew, God knew what was coming. And when I look back at how we got here, since I've been here, I've had five other churches call me and ask me to come work for them. The answer is no. Because that's not where I'm called. Nineteen years ago, we were sitting in our church. Mom and dad were the pastors of it. They brought in a prophet who um, we trusted that we knew. And at the end of his prophecy uh, over myself, he called myself up. At the end of his prophecy, he gave this. I wrote it all out. You're going to do. And he, he said several things in there that had come to pass. He didn't know. They'd come to pass. And I was like, because a lot of times people prophesy. I just kind of, okay, whatever. But there were things in there that was said that, that aligned up with what had happened in my life. And he had no idea about it. And the very last thing he said, I, I, I will remember this as long as I live. I can see his face. I can hear his expression. I can hear the crowd behind me. Um, he, he, all he said was, and Taylor, welcome to the ministry. I'm going to cry now. I shouldn't be crying about this. I didn't get emotional when I wrote this. But he was, he was solidifying the call to the office of what God had placed upon my life. Because you all know whenever things get tough, what are you going to do? Ah, and you run the other way. You need something to stand on that's going to hold you through. He, God knew 19 years later I'd be standing up here in front of 35 people that should be 100 by now and being like, God, why are you bringing me to Norman? Why are you doing this? It would be so easy to take one of these jobs that are offering me a six-digit income and take care of this. I have no worries but just to stand up there and do my thing. Why would I want to do this? Welcome to the ministry. It's a word that you can hold on to in season. That is the office of the that is the gift of the office of the prophet working in manifestation. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. Um, there is a um, uh, how do I say this? There is a frustration in me because several years ago I was doing only business. That's all I did was business, and I enjoyed the business. But there was this. This deeping, this deep, deeping, there was this deeper desire in me for something more. And I told Adrienne, I said, if we don't act on this, I will never go back into ministry. And she looked at me and she says, you will never not be in ministry, but you need to act on this. And that caused us to sell a business and move to Texas to go work for a church that I would have never chosen to work for. And to be honest, if any of you are watching that are part of that church, I apologize for about what I'm about to say. But we were there for one week. Adrian was still in, in Tulsa. And I called her and said, don't come. You're not going to want to be here. This, 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 didn't I? 
we, yeah, she's, Matthew's about to be born. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. And I said, I will not put you through this. Because once I got there, I find out why the health of the church was where, where it was at. And so uh, they forgot to tell me all that stuff whenever I was talking to them. And I go out there, and it's just like, wow. And in one year, we left on our one-year anniversary. We committed one year out there. When we got there, the first thing, there was 400 people. At year one, when we left, they had over 900 people in attendance. They had six volunteers at 400-ish people, 450 people. When we left, there was over 200 volunteers. Why did it work out? Because we walk in the office. Things begin to operate that are not there. Look at this church right here. I did not ask to be in front of you. My dad called me in January and said, Taylor, I feel like the Lord's leading us this direction. Do you want to do this? <laughs> nope. Sure don't. Uh, I don't. My business is doing well. But I don't. And there, that's a lot going on. I will never forget. I was in the Pro Box rental. You know those big storage containers that you can rent? I was at their office doing the carpets there. And he called me like at 7 or 8 o'clock on Friday or Saturday night and said, hey, um, I feel like God's calling us to do this. Do you want this? And I was like, nope. Let me think about it. I remember sitting there in the office doing my thing, and I had this thing called a carpet wand. Keaton knows all about the carpet wand. He helps. I was pushing this wand back and forth, and I was, as I was pushing it back, it wasn't 30 seconds of the phone call. I threw that thing on the ground and said, I got this. You give me that thing. I stepped into my office, and we've had complete joy this whole time. We love you guys. We love being here. It, it, is, it is literally like God just went... I got you. Don't worry about it. But I let you make up the decision on your own if you want to do it or not. So dad called in January, or in, in yeah, it was in the first week of January. And we said, we will do this. There had been a frustration in us for ministry because it's what we love to do. And so I don't want anyone to listen online. We had 28,000 people listen a couple weeks ago on, online. It's just unreal. But for those of you listening online, don't take this as a, a vow to quit your job. That's not what I'm saying at all. If there is a vocational call of ministry on your life, it will be confirmed by many, many other people. You will be called out by other people. If you just think you are and no one is telling you are, you're not. You have a strong gift of ministerial gifting where some people have a general gift some people have a stronger gift it just means there's a stronger ministerial gifting not a five-fold office gifting operating in you does that make sense okay um whenever we i'm just ratting out everybody today whenever we were at our church in san diego there was 25 to 40,000 people that attended in physical attendance we had about 330 staff members and i'm going to be just real blunt um most of those staff members should never been on staff. They had a job. They thought because they were serving in ministry that they were doing what God had called them to do in that capacity. They were trying to fill a, a vocational position of fivefold office when they really just had a strong ministerial gifting. They got the two confused. So uh, there's a lot of churches out there that put people in positions that don't operate in that gifting. Not bad, it just brings frustration inside behind closed doors. There was a lot of frustration with 330 staff members and probably 328 of them weren't called. 
I'm just kidding. It wasn't that high. But you get what I'm saying. There was a lot of, so whenever you're operating outside of your vocational gifting, it brings frustration to those around you. All right? Um, let's look at these, these giftings. Um, this is going to start making sense now. When you look at the fivefold office, we have number one, the apostle. What is the apostle supposed to do in the fivefold office? They build the church. Remember, I said a while ago in the ministerial giftings, the apostle is sent by God to build. The apostle is sent to build the church. The ministry or the ministerial gifting of the apostle is to build as well. But you build from the inside. The apostle. And the office builds from the pulpit coming out. Okay? Um, when we were in San Diego, um, I'll just say it. Uh, everything that our hands touched turned out well. Er, er, did it not? Yeah. Ministries that had been suffering, things were that were hard, it just began to work out. Things just begin to turn around. The office of the, of the apostle is a visionary. Whenever um, we were in Texas, the, the physical size of the church doubled, almost tripled within a year. Uh, we're starting to see signs of growth here. Adrian gave away the, the, the message a while ago. But right here is where I wanted to say we have a sold-out concert Saturday night. And a sold-out concert for us is over 100 people. So we've sold 105 tickets to come and be here. It is the gift of the apostle to build. It is what I do. It's a business that I have. It builds. I love to build. Uh, I, like I said a while ago, I've been offered by other churches to come and work for them. It's already going. That doesn't excite me. I want to build. I want to get in here where it's hard when two people show up. Okay, that's fine. Uh, how many times do we say, if it's me and Adrienne, we're still going to sing. We're still going to, we're going to build. You do. I love that process, and it's just in me. Number two, then there are the people that are prophets. They speak into the future. A prophet is extremely fun who they walk in the office to see. Uh, a good prophet. There's bad ones. There's good ones. There's great ones. Uh, there are great ones that we know that they can come in and say, Terrence, Devin, stand up here, not knowing anything. They can tell you your kids' names, your address, where you live. Was. They can read your mail. A good prophet can. And it's fun to watch. There is a guy on, uh, he's in the West Coast um, in California. The guy is absolutely incredible. He can walk up to you and say, your mother's name is this. Uh, whenever you were five years old, you were in this building, and your mother said this to you, and that's what. And he can just everyone. The, the church, his church started in his living room five years ago, and now he's got twenty thousand people come. Like just the 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 gift of the prophet is on everywhere he goes. He can just read. It is so fun to watch. But be careful for the ones that try to claim. If someone's got to tell you they're a prophet, I'm prophet this or prophetess this, tell them to hit the road. You'll know if it's there or not. Um, number three, the evangelist. Their purpose is to, write this down, reach the lost. This was my pastor in San Diego. I had never seen up until that point in my life anyone who walked in the office of the evangelist. We would go to lunch and three people would get saved. You would have an event and he would, before we got to the event, would say there would be 350-ish salvations and there would be 356. We would go to an outreach. There would be 5,000 people get saved. And he's like, no, I think there's closer to six. Go back and look. 
Sure enough, he walked everywhere he went, people got saved. You will see these people will operate big churches. Whenever you see a church that just balloons up from zero to hero overnight, that pastor more than likely, if they're following God, is a, a evangelist at heart because people are just drawn to him. They're just attracted to him. Not one gifting is better than the other. They all function to serve together, just giving you a little bit of snippet of each one of them. Um, but it's fun to be around a, a, a person who walks in the office of an evangelist. Uh, many times, I remember he was sitting there with, uh, we were at a barbecue restaurant. There was three of us there, and his fingers were covered in barbecue. He's eating ribs, and all of a sudden, the, the waiter just walks over to him, and with his fingers full of barbecue sauce and nasty, he still had sauce on his, on his deal right here. Hey, you want to know Jesus? And he got, gives his heart to Christ right there. When you walk in the office, there's no effort on your part. It just comes. It's so fun. Uh, number four, Pastors. This is they shepherd the flock. This is the office that I personally feel, he may not agree with me, but this is the office I feel that my dad operates in the most. Um, this would be his office. And here's why I say that. Anytime you get around him, what's he going to ask you? Do you have a personal growth plan? Do you have a design your life plan? Are you living by default or are you living on purpose? What is that? That is one who shepherds. That is one who cares about you. That's one who wants more for you than you want yourself. That is the office of the pastor. Because let me tell you something. I'm just being nice. Keaton, you care about Mike, but do you care about his future of what he's going to do tomorrow? No. You, you're worrying about yourself. Nothing bad about that. Dad comes in here and he cares about every single person. More than what you care about. That is the one who walks in the office of the pastor. They shepherd the flock. Okay, number five, teacher. They teach the word. Um, I worked at a church where in Texas for that one year. Our pastor walked in this office. You would literally say, hey, and it turned into a 30-minute Bible conversation with three Bibles and two commentaries. You're just like, I ain't going to say you. And you come down the hallway, I'm going to ignore you. You're going to walk the other way because that gift just comes out. And he just loves to teach. This is where I'm at. It's 1053, and I'm only about a third of the way done with this sermon. So like, it is the gift of gab, you could say. Like, it, this is where I operate in the apostle and teacher. Um, my, I, my dad operates in the pastor teacher. Uh, my mom operates as the prophet. Um, she won't claim that she walks in the fullness of the office because she won't allow herself to but watch her <laughs> you guys haven't seen her yet um all right in ephesians 4 8 let's look in the back of your outline at the top uh who gave us these gifts there you go when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and jesus gave gifts unto men who gave these gifts ephesians 4 12 why do we have these gifts uh, for the equipping of the saints unto the work of the ministering unto the of the body of Christ. We have the the equipping by the ministry office, the fivefold office. Then we have the building up of the ministerial gifting that you have. Are you following me now? Okay. Uh, then Ephesians 4.13, what do these gifts accomplish? This is where I want you to take this verse, circle it, underline it, highlight it, meditate on it, pray on it, become this verse. Whenever we walk in unity, when the body is operating together as it should, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we are operating in our giftings corporately and in unity, 
the measure of stature becomes Jesus himself. So if you want to see Jesus, we need you operating in your gifting. Because if you're not, we've got to fake it somewhere else. When we look at the ministry gifts, the fivefold office, there's been one man who operated in all five. And I think you know who that, would, that one man would be. Who is it? Yeah. There's a very important reason why he was the only one that operated in the five. Let me first of all show you that he in, did indeed operate in all five. Matthew seven twenty eight in your in your outline. Multitudes were amazed at his teaching. So he's a teacher. Hebrews one, good God used old men to prophesy, and at the end of days the son spoke to us. He's a prophet. Hebrews 3.1, Jesus is the apostle and the high priest. It just right there just straight calls him out. He's the apostle. John 10, when Jesus was the good shepherd who lays down, or who lays his life down, that's what a pastor does. Luke 9.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was an evangelist. Here's why it's important that Jesus demonstrated it in himself. When Jesus went to heaven, he left us with the gifts necessary to continue his ministry on earth. But before his death, he was the only one that had the ability to walk in all five of what is known as the fivefold office. After his death and resurrection, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he dispersed those gifts to you and I. Because he needed the ministry that he started to continue. And he knew if he left it with one, it would die. He had to continue the ministry by giving every single one of you the ability to operate in the gifting. Because whenever you are able to operate in the gifting, together, corporately, we can become all that Jesus called us to become. And then what happens? We take on the stature and the measure of Jesus Christ. Here's some practical application for you. I think my job as a teacher is I can take complex things and make them somewhat simple. And I'm going to do it very, very quick. How many of you um, were called on in fifth grade to play kickball at recess? How many of you were not the first pick? And you know why. <laughs> yeah, you know why. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to go into that. How many of you can debate anyone? How many of you would prefer never to see conflict ever again? How many of you made varsity sports whenever your friends made JV? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how many of you can play an instrument? How many of you can play an instrument well? <laughs> um, some people have a natural bend towards music. Some people have a natural bend towards athletics. Some people have a natural bend towards academics. There are natural giftings on the inside of you. Uh, do you remember these? The recorder, I'm not going to try to play it, but I can. We had to play a mall in the night visitors in sixth grade. Remember that one? No? Yeah, just me? Okay. Um, some of you can pick this up and, I, boom, you can, you can blow this thing. You got it mastered. Some of you pick these things up because I heard it in class, and after two or three days of playing, you discovered that you're blowing on the wrong end. And in some of you, like after a month of playing, 
and practicing, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can play it. Maybe not professionally, but you can play it. You may not be great at, at, at athletics, but you can play it. You may not be great at academics, but you can study it. You may not be great at a recorder, this thing, but every one of us can make noise come out of it. When it comes to the spiritual gifts operating in your life, every one of you have the ability to operate in them. Some of you will have certain gifts flow more naturally. Some of you will have to work harder at those gifts. Doesn't mean you're less qualified than anyone else. Absolutely not. So the question is not to ask, how come this person can flow in something better than I can? The question becomes, am I willing to do what it takes to play the instrument? Am I willing to do what it takes to operate in my gifting? Because you had a natural bend for maybe athletics, you chose to walk in that direction. But if I ask you to play the instrument, you can make noise, but you would have to work twice as hard to play this instrument. But the question becomes, am I willing to do what it takes? In your outline, midway down... Psalms 103, it says the Bible tells us that Moses knew the ways of God, but the people of Israel knew the acts of God. Another way of saying this is Moses knew the heart of God, and the people knew the hand of God. I have to get to know the heart of God. I can't live my life based on someone else's relationship with God. I have to discover him for myself. His gifts are for me, but I have to learn how to use them. As we are finishing up this spiritual gift series, I want to tie it all in together and show you the intricacy of how all this works in your outline. Verse 4, 5, and 6 of 1 Corinthians is the table of contents for the spiritual gifts. Let's look at it. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Then there are diversities of ministrations and the same Lord. And there are diversities of workings, but the same God who worketh all things in all. Verse 4, what does that tell us? The Holy Spirit is over the manifestation gifts. In verse 5, Jesus is over the ministerial gifts. In verse 6, God is over the motivational gifts. Okay, let's wrap all this together. The revealed power of God strengthens the body of Christ and operates in the body when the saints are properly equipped. Did you get that? Of the gifts? God is looking for your personality to be developed. That's your motivational gifts. God is looking for, your, for the, the body of Christ to be developed. That's your ministry, your ministerial gifts. God is looking for his power to be developed in you. That is the manifested gifts. For these gifts to be operational in your life, the question becomes, where do I start? Let's look in your outline. Number one, develop your personality. You've got to develop the motivational gifts that God has for you. If you come to the corner and, and your first motive is to flip somebody off, you need some work. 
If, if you come to the corner and your first attitude is, hey, let him, it's no big deal. God worked in you. In your personality, in your character, that has to be developed first. Number two, where do I start? After you develop your personality, you've got to serve the body. This is your ministry gifts. I said it two weeks ago. And here's the, the, real, the, the revelation of what I said. The greater you walk in your motivational gifts and the greater you walk in your ministry gifts, the greater the manifested gifts will operate in your life. So number three, where do I start? You reveal God to people. This is your manifestation gifts. It is time to see the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. I just gave you the roadmap to follow. You've got to develop your motivational gift, your personality. Now, you've got to do that one on your own. I can't do that one for you. That's between you, God, and everyone else in your life. Number two, to develop your ministry gift. This is where I can help. Because we are in the process of planning for 2023, I want to help you become all that God's called you to be. And I believe with all my heart there's giftings on the inside of you that are dormant because you have not developed your personality, your character gift first. You're saying, God, I want to be, done, be used over here to do this. And you run to a constant frustration of why it's not happening, and it's because God hasn't, you haven't allowed God to develop your motivational gifts first. And then the second thing needs to happen. You've got to develop your ministry gifts. In your hand, or in your hand, there's a green little card. I want you to put your name on that card. And it's time we start developing your ministry gifts. Because once you develop your personality, once you develop your ministry you will see inside, operating in your ministry, the power of God will begin to manifest through you. And the power will manifest through you. And the power of God will manifest through you. <laughs> so, on this green, is that green? Neon, yellowish paper, put your name in a numerical value, one, two, three, one being the most. Where do you see yourself in the gifting that God has called you to operate in. Put a one by it. And then number two, number three. If you're like, hey, I don't see it on here. I left a blank line. You can put it on there and do that. Because my job as your pastor is to help you grow closer to Jesus every day. My job in leading this church is to direct this church where we align ourselves with the Spirit of God. And to align ourselves with the Spirit of God, we must become a church that God can trust. We must become a church that the power is able to manifest here. And it cannot be on mom and me. Okay? <laughs> you are needed. You are wanted. You are appreciated. And it's not that we can build a, a great church. It's so you can stand in front of the Lord and he say, well done. Good and faithful servant.
He didn't say, well done, good and faithful pastor, prophet, teacher. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. So fill that out. And then just here in a moment, put it in the offering bucket when you walk out. And we are going to pray over these. We're going to look at them. And we're putting a plan in place for 2023 of what things are looking like. Um, But my greatest desire for you is for you to walk in the manifested power of God. And to get there. Develop your character, develop your ministry, and develop your power. Can you do it? You guys want to do it? Or am I, up here all, am I up here all alone? I want to. Even if you don't want to, I still do. And if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm going to drag you along with us. <laughs> Come on, let's do this. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.